The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome, Disability Law Show. We are back at it. Savannah Tamarkin and John Scholes here ready to uh, to get going. So much to cover today, so we want to get right into it. I'll give you some details on how to reach out uh, to Savannah and his team anytime, toll free. Obviously, uh, 1-855-821-5900, the website disabilityrights.ca the email put help at in front of that help at disabilityrights.ca while you're there you can search and uh, get links and uh, ways to find our long running long running TV show as well so take advantage of that disabilityrights.ca and finally a uh, a website built just for you mydisabilityquestions.com that is a place where you can ask your questions discreetly if you don't want to uh, make a phone call to start off with do it there it's a searchable database so there's a high probability that your question uh, may have been answered and Asked, asked, and answered in depth. So have a look first. If not, leave it there. Savan and the rest of the team will uh, will get to it. But we'll uh, we'll get right into it before some uh, some emails here in just a bit. Savan, a week that was some things happening at the firm recently. What's going on, pal? Johnny, happy New Year to you and to all our listeners. You too. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you, thank you. It's it's been a crazy, crazy year last year, and I think it's going to be crazy this year too. Obviously, COVID is still with us. Um, you know, politics all over the place is you know blowing the world up. But I, I do think that things yeah. are going to get better this year. I, I am an optimist, um, and and I, I do think thing you know things will get better. Um, but you know, let me start off by saying that we must be the only law firm in the country that I can say is probably crazy enough uh, to not only uh, not not reduce our resources and our staff. I think we've probably doubled in size since COVID started because there's so many people who need help yeah. uh, across the country. They need help with their employment issues. They've been let go. They've been put on temporary layoffs. People who are dealing with their long-term disability claims. That's what myself and and the rest of my disability group do. We're lawyers, and that's what we do. We help people that have issues with their long-term disability insurance company. And John, we are the only law firm, I think, I think in the country that this January, this month, uh, have started a new office in a new province in Alberta. As of January of this yeah, year, of now, yeah, yeah. We, we have lawyers in Calgary. And so we provide the, this legal help across Ontario, across British Columbia, and across Alberta. Uh, and again, we do it for employment matters and long-term disability matters. So, so let me tell you this. I just, I just literally before the show started, got an email from a lady, 51-year-old lady, uh, from uh, just around Calgary, and she has the same question and issue that I have now, yep. uh, you know, been fielding and answering from people in Ontario and BC. And the question is this: She's suffering from anxiety and depression, very severe depressions, uh, depression because of COVID, the lockdowns, and everything associated with this pandemic. And she applied for long-term disability with a very prominent insurance company uh, that she has insurance through work with. And they told her that COVID is not considered a valid reason for being on LTD. And so they've declined her claim. And she did the correct thing. She contacted me as opposed to trying, you know, the appeal route. You know, many people fall into that trap of appealing these long-term disability denials. She did not do that. And so here's the thing. And this is the messaging for any new listeners. Insurance companies are in the business of not paying. I don't care if this is disability insurance or house insurance or travel insurance. That's what they do. 
they don't pay and they only pay only pay when they absolutely have no other choice but to pay but they'll find every excuse in the book to deny your claim and what what happens is that most people walk away from money that's owed to them and that's really the nature of the business for them they figure that out of X amount of people that they deny claims for that a certain percentage of those a large percentage will simply walk away from their claims thinking that okay well maybe I just don't I'm not supposed to be getting this money even though they should be uh, and some people fall into that trap of appeals and they appeal that denial get denied again appeal deny again etc etc until the clock runs out and they have no more legal options and so let me break this down here let me let me show you how ridiculous this denial is here for this lady so she applies for long-term disability because of anxiety and depression she has doctors that have confirmed that she is unable to work not because of COVID this is important but because of anxiety and depression now anxiety and depression what she has here did come up because of COVID COVID was the the originating actor here that's what caused the depression for and for many people by the way not just for her right I mean we're dealing with a tsunami of these psychological claims now across the country because people have been hard hit psychologically physically financially and every other way because of COVID but the reason for LTD is not COVID the reason for LTD is depression and anxiety. And so when the insurance company here, a prominent insurance company, a big one, a national insurance company says, we're denying your claim because COVID is not considered a valid claim for LTD, that is baloney. It is nonsense. And you know why it's nonsense, John? Because these why? insurance policies, well, they never contemplated COVID. They don't even talk about COVID in the policy. Disability insurance policies, in order to qualify for them, if you have access to them through work or privately, uh, the test is, can you do the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years? If you've already been on LTD for two years, well, at that point, you then have to show that you cannot do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for beyond that two-year mark. But here's the thing. The reason for why you're disabled that's not really relevant for the discussion here. The question is not whether or not COVID is considered valid for, 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 you know, for LTD or not. It's whether or not you have a disability that's been backed up by your doctors. In other words, your doctors or whoever's treating you is saying you are unable to work because of this condition. And if you have a doctor that says that, well, guess what? She should qualify for LTD. So to me, this is a very, very straightforward case. And that's the other thing that I want to make sure people understand. We resolve these kinds of cases, these kinds of disputes with insurance companies all the time. In many instances, and I can tell you this has been more the case last year uh, and probably going to be an ongoing trend, where people you know, bang their head against a wall with these insurance companies, these disability insurance companies, uh, and getting nowhere. And then we get retained and in many instances just by us sending a single letter or email to the insurance company we get them to reverse course now that doesn't happen all the time obviously but what I'm saying is we've had situations at least a few just in the last few weeks where we got retained because individuals were denied long-term disability they fought with the insurance company for a year or so and then when they got nowhere they contacted us we then got retained to represent them we sent a letter to the insurance company and boom suddenly we get a lawyer on the other side defending the insurance company saying oh we made a mistake we want to put you know your client back on LTD so again understand that insurance companies are in the business not of helping you but of making money and one of the ways they make money is denying claims and many of these denials are not correct 
In many instances, insurance companies are illegally denying legitimate claims, and they can be challenged. And that's what we do. We do this every single day. We challenge insurance companies. And by the way, I'm not saying that every person, John, that calls me or emails me that they have a case. In fact, in many instances, I tell people, look, I think the insurance company is correct, or you're out of time. You should have come to me a year ago, two years ago. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't hurt for, for people to contact us to get this information. We don't charge anything, anything, absolutely anything to speak to individuals. And, and at the end of the day, even if you do retain us, we don't get paid for anything until we've actually been successful in forcing the insurance company to pay people what they're owed. You know, it's it's with the insurance companies, you've said so many times, it's simply a matter of, of, of numbers and percentages. A certain amount of people, a high percentage of people are just going to roll over and turtle. And that's that's how they make the money. I mean, they make the money off premiums, but they make money by not paying out because people get scared off, right? Because they don't call yeah. you guys. Hundred percent. This happens all the time, and I'm not blaming people for this because, you know, a regular individual out there thinking to themselves that well, it's me versus the insurance company. What can I do? You know, this was the exact same issue that came up last year when COVID hit with travel insurance. Right. You know, when people had to, to cancel their travel plans, and then insurance companies, travel insurance companies that got paid premiums for for trip cancellation insurance you know started uh, denying claims all all across all across the, the globe really and, and and this is why we started the class action against TD insurance and there's other class yeah. actions against other insurance companies so look insurance companies and by the way I used to work for insurance companies for anybody who you know hasn't listened to us before and and many of our lawyers have worked for insurance companies before insurance companies are not in the business of fighting claims they're in the business of making money and and, and part of that making money routine is making you think that you have no options making you think that you are powerless against them but the reality is the one thing insurance companies hate more than just paying out claims is paying their lawyers paying their lawyers to defend cases that they know they're gonna have to pay later so again I'm telling you if you've been denied a claim a disability claim short-term disability long-term disability contact me it's going to cost you nothing to speak with me with a member of my team you go to mydisabilityquestions.com we're going to read a few questions from there john that came uh, mm -hmm. over the last week or two and, and, and you know we answer these questions for free the goal here is to educate people to educate the public and, and again listen if at the end of the day you uh, as somebody who's listening or or if you know someone who needs our help if you decide to have us help you you know this is what we do we'll be more than happy to do it if you decide to have a different lawyer help you by all means go to a different lawyer different law firm but make sure you get the right lawyer okay you gotta make sure you get somebody with a good reputation somebody that has the requisite skills and the know-how and the resources to take on these insurance companies and that's what we offer people Let's take a short break. Uh, lots more to go here. You want to send along an email, help at disabilityrights.ca. The website is simply disabilityrights.ca. You'll find links to our television show there as well. And, of course, anytime, toll-free number 1-855-821-5900. Lots more of the Disability Law Show is on the way right here. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
And welcome back to the Disability Law Show. You want to get a hold of Savan anytime you can, the co-founder of uh, Stamfiru Tamarkan LLP. By the way, the most positively reviewed employment law firm and disability law firm in Canada and now alive and well in uh, Calgary, Alberta as well. So you can reach out, one 821 5900 and the uh, website, mydisabilityquestions.com. You can go there anytime at your leisure, ask your questions. They will be answered in depth, and it's a searchable database as well. So, Van, lots more uh, to go here, so let's get uh, right back to it. What else you got? Absolutely, John. But just before I get into the new uh, topic here, mm-hmm. you said the most positively uh, positively reviewed law firm, uh, employment and disability firm in the country. And, yeah. and that's true. And, and I, I tell people, go and just read the reviews. You know, the, these are all legitimate reviews. There's nothing fake. And I can tell you that I know for a fact that there are many law firms out there that have fake reviews. Just check out some of these reviews. I, I mean, I, we're very proud of that. Extremely proud. Big because time. for us, it's about the quality and it's about education, you know, educating the public. So, so, so let me let me turn uh, to, to a different topic here. And it's something that we've spoken about before, John. It's about slip and falls. Now, we do disability claims primarily. We, we deal with insurance companies, short-term, long-term disability claims. We help people. But we also help people who have been sig- severely injured, seriously injured as a result of a slip and fall, car accident, etc. But I want to talk about the slip and falls. Not only is it because I want to talk about because it's winter now, and of course there's ice and snow everywhere, but because in Ontario specifically, uh, there's going to be an amendment to the Occupier's Liability Act, which is the legislation in the province that governs the obligation that occupiers, owners of properties, and it could be you and I, John, who have houses and have driveways, or it can be the municipality that is responsible for sidewalks, sidewalks, roads, etc. This legislation is going to be changing a few things. Uh, Most people know, if you've listened to the show, that if you've slipped and fall, as a result of ice, as a result of anything, you know, uneven uh, a sidewalk, whatever, that you have two years to start a legal claim for compensation against whoever is responsible for the for the negligence that caused your injury, right? Uh, failure to to clear the ice and snow, uh, right. or, or not, you know, building the the, the sidewalk correctly or whatever. Uh, now, most people also know, if they've listened to me before, that when, with respect to municipalities, you have to provide them with written notice within 10 days of the accident. You got to tell them where it happened, how it happened, uh, when it happened, you know, just give particulars of what happened. But this new legislation here, this new change, it's under Ontario's Bill 118. 118. And what it says here is that uh, you have to provide the owner or occupier of the premises of the area where you fell written notice of the fall within 60 days of the incident, either by personal service. So somebody has to actually provide that uh, notice in writing to whoever owns the area or by registered mail okay, to whoever owns that address. That's that's a huge huge change because you know John it basically means that if I get injured, uh, you know walking in a parking lot of of a mall for example uh, because there's a pothole and, and I broke my leg, right. you know and, and six months later I decide to start a claim against the the mall uh, owner, uh, if I did not provide that mall owner 
with with um, uh, notice in writing of the particulars of the accident of the injury, you know, within those 60 days, well, then I could potentially be barred from later on bringing that claim, that legal claim. I could still bring that legal claim, but now they'll have a defense that I was non-compliant with the 60 days oh written God. notice obligation under the new legislation. So again, you know, the the lesson here basically is that if you are injured as a result of a slip and fall, car accident, whatever, you got to contact a lawyer that specifically deals with this area of law as soon as possible. And if it's a slip and fall, make sure you take photographs of the area to show the condition of the area of what caused you to fall and get injured. If you can't do it, get someone to do it, a family member, a friend, someone as soon as possible. You know, if you get pictures three days later, well, then the argument is maybe the snow and ice conditions were different, you know, three three days ago. Uh, but if you get somebody to take photos immediately when this happened or shortly after or within a few hours, then there's the argument that, look, now we have actual photographs. They're essentially contemporaneous with when the accident happened that shows that the area in question was, in fact, hazardous. So this is important. 60 days notification. That's the new obligation that's going to come out once wow. this bill gets approved, gets passed by the legislature. Uh, and, and people need to understand that because up until now, you didn't have that kind of an obligation. You only have the uh, you only had the 10-day notice period that had to be given to municipalities. This is 60 days for everyone. Not to municipalities. They still have 10 days for municipalities. But for, you know, private properties uh, and, and, you know, essentially anywhere else where you're falling, you have 60 days, if it's a private property, to provide that notice in writing. So people need to be aware of this, John. I wonder what brought that about. And I wonder who lobbied for it heaviest. You know, I mean, it seems like to go from nothing to just 60 days mm-hmm. seems uh, pretty pretty severe, I guess, from, from our point of view. Yeah. The same folks who, uh, you know, made sure that if you get injured in a car accident, uh, you're going to get significantly less benefits. If, if you have, you know, uh, uh, you know if, if you suffered from, from um, and you were not at fault in a car accident and you have back pains and you have chronic pain and you can't work, whatever, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you had a lot of benefits you could rely on in order to compensate you. These were called no-fault benefits. Yep. And throughout the years, insurance companies made a concerted effort to, to lobby the legislator. They spent millions of dollars doing this to change the laws. And if you remember Premier Wynne, you know, years and years ago said, you know, you're, 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 um, uh, you know, the cost of, of, uh, of policies, insurance policies, automobile insurance policies is going to go down. I, you know, I never saw that. I don't know about you, but I never saw that. And that's where we're left with. We're left with paying the same, if not more, for automobile insurance policies, but getting a lot less benefit. So it's the insurance industry. And this is why I'm telling you that the only way to battle against that, to make sure you get the compensation that you're supposed to get, is by going to the right lawyer. And many people out there, John, are going to be skeptical and they're going to say, well, you're a lawyer, so you know it's beneficial to you to say that. Yeah, it's beneficial to me, but I'm not telling you to come just to us. Go to any lawyer that deals with this area of law. They should give you this information that you need if you or someone you know has been injured in a car accident, in a slip and fall, or in the case of what my team and I do primarily, fight against long-term disability insurance companies when they illegitimately deny legitimate claims. Look, I'll give you the number again to call Savannah and his team. Easy, uh, 1-855-821-5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca. Where are we going now, brother? 
Uh, let's go to a uh, question that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay. Cool. This one comes from Gia in Pickering. And uh, Gia writes, I have a question. My LTD company claims that I'm perfectly fit for my pre-injury job without accommodations, whereas my family doctor is advising work with functional abilities restriction. In this case, can I start a legal claim against my insurance company for human rights violation? This is an interesting question. I, I get mm -hmm. those kinds of questions a lot. And, you know, one thing I want to point out here is that we get a lot of people contacting us because of what we do at the firm. Um, the p people have questions that have to do both with work-related issues, employment issues, and disability issues. In this case, LTD. And, you know, the answer to, to Gia's question is, is this. If at the end of the day, you can do the essential tasks of your own occupation, but you need some accommodation from work, then it's possible that the insurance company is in fact correct you know, in that it's a work-related issue. Because remember, right. uh, you know, the employer does have an obligation to accommodate you up to the point of undue hardship. You talk about mm -hmm. this with Lior all the time on the Employment yes, Law Show. Right, yep. so when people come to us with this kind of a question, of course we have a lot. We have an in-depth discussion. What exactly is the nature of your disability? What are the restrictions? What are your impairments? What's your disability? And what accommodations does your doctor say that you actually need? And then we try and figure out. Well, hold on for a second. Is it the LTD insurer here who is wrong? In other words, is the LTD insurer who's supposed to continue paying because the person cannot do the essential tasks of their own occupation at this point, or? Is it the employer that is wrong? So you see, from our standpoint, it's not that we don't care which one of them is responsible, it's that we can help you with whichever uh, uh, case we need to deal with. You know, we can deal with the LTD side and we can deal with the employer side. And sometimes, by the way, we have to go after both, right? We have to go right. after the employer yeah, who's not doing what they're supposed to do in accommodating the individual. And we have to go after the LTD insurer because they're trying to shirk away from their responsibilities of paying long-term disability to this individual who is disabled. So, you know, again, one of these kinds of, of, of situations, John, where we have uh, two issues at play, and we're going to see this again and again and again as we go through these emails and as we go through these various scenarios. And that's what I tell people out there. And it may, again, may not apply to you as a listener. It could be that it's someone in your family or a friend or a colleague that is having either an employment issue, a disability issue with their insurer, or a combination of both. Either go to mydisabilityquestions.com uh, and post your question, and I'll answer it for free, or just contact us, and you'll get the answers again for free. Um, you know, either way, John, we are here for people. We want to make sure that they know what their rights are. Let me give you that contact information note again before we move on to uh, some more questions and emails. It is uh, 1-855-821-5900, disabilityrights.ca, and we read from it all the time, mydisabilityquestions.com. Keep it going, man. We've still got a few minutes to go. Absolutely. So here's another question. This one comes from Sylvie uh, out of BC. And here's what Sylvie writes. I've been approved for my disability insurance company. Um, sorry, I have been approved with my disability insurance company for long-term disability until June uh, 25th, 2021. The disability insurance company is asking for eight pages of a functional ability forms to be filled out by my registered psychologist. She has responded to them that if they need a psychology progress report, that's fine, but medical forms need to be filled out by my general practitioner, my family doctor. The disability insurance company refuses to pay for the forms and offered only $55 and the balance to be billed to me or for my psychologist to take the loss. 
This is not the first time this has happened. It's causing me a lot of mental stress. The disability insurance company uh, emailed my psychologist today and gave her a deadline uh, of uh, four days from now to respond. My psychologist is away uh, because of the, the holidays. What do I do? Signed, infuriated. No kidding. Uh, yeah. So, and this is something that, again, I see quite often where the individual, the disabled individual is, is caught, you know, uh, they're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place where they want to comply with whatever the insurance company is asking, but the insurance ask, uh, company is asking something that is either unreasonable from the treating practitioner or they're not giving that person, that, that psychologist or doctor, whoever it is, enough time to complete the forms or they're asking something that they, you know, is legitimate, but for whatever reason, your doctor, or your psychologist, or whoever's treating you does not want to provide that information. What do you do? And and can the insurance company cut you off, stop your benefits as a result of one of these issues? Now, look, it, it's really nuanced, and, and it's very difficult to give a generalized answer, but I'll tell you this. As far as I'm concerned, if the individual, the disabled person, has not done anything wrong, and there is there is this battle here between the practitioners and the insurance company and because of that the insurance company cuts my client off uh, disability I'm gonna take the position that this is an illegitimate cutoff the insurance company is wrong in other words we there's different ways to, to resolve this uh, you know, we can potentially, you know, create some kind of a, of a mechanism where the insurance company uh, does send you for an evaluation that is separate and apart from what your psychologist or doctor is saying. Maybe we, you know, maybe the insurance adjuster uh, works with your practitioner to figure out what makes sense, what's logical. One thing should not happen here is that the disabled person is caught in between. And remember, these are disabled people. Whether it's a mental That's disability, right. whether it's a physical one, there is no reason why, in addition to everything they're struggling with, they now have to be faced with this conflict between their practitioners and the insurance company, and the insurance company telling them that because of this conflict that has nothing to do with the disabled person, that now the insurance company is going to cut off that person's uh, financial gotcha. lifeline. So, so to me, that is inappropriate, and we've had those situations before, and we've resolved them because at the end of the day, if we can show that our client, that the disabled person is disabled from working, the insurance company must pay. It's as simple as that. And and we've had a lot of success with that. And I tell people, if you're in that situation, contact us so we can deal with your specific situation and advise you uh, in relation to your case. It is 1-855-821-5900. The number, keep it toll-free anytime, disabilityrights.ca. And for email, which we're going to get to shortly here, you can send them along anytime, help at disabilityrights.ca as well. This is the Disability Law Show right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show with Savannah Tamarkin. Skulls here. Uh, we're going to keep going. You want to reach out anytime, by the way, 1 855 821 5900. That's a toll free number. It is disabilityrights.ca, the website where you can find links to our television show. And you can enjoy the benefits of working with Savannah and his firm, whether you're in Ontario or Calgary, uh, Alberta, that is, or BC. They got it all covered, so feel free to reach out, if only for uh, a quick chat and some questions, clear some things up, or even more than that, the uh, the entire staff is willing to talk to you and eager to at, uh, at your leisure. Again, one 
855-821-5900. Before we get to some emails here, pal, you got a couple more things to discuss. Go for it. Yep. Uh, another question here, John, that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com. This one comes from a person, uh, a, a, a lady, I believe, from Ottawa. And here's what she writes. My doctor recommended I go to my employer provided counseling services for my anxiety, which I have been on LTD. But the employer counselor is working for the insurance company. I feel that this is a conflict of interest. What do I tell my doctor and what is your recommendation? So this is interesting. Again, the family doctor here of this individual is telling this person, this disabled person, that they should go to a counselor provided by the employer. But the concern here is that this counselor also worked for the insurance company. Look, I am always skeptical of an individual, a disabled person getting treatments from a health practitioner that works for the insurance company that you're dealing with. And I'm skeptical not because the health practitioner is not good or not professional. It's because to me, you know, there may be a conflict here exactly the way this person, you know, has stated. And that's a concern because at some point, this health practitioner is going to have to answer the question as to whether or not this person is now okay to go back to work. And if that health practitioner gets paid by the insurance company or by the employer, whoever it is that's, that's dealing with this insurance policy, then to me there's a conflict because on the one hand, the health practitioner is supposed to have your health interest in mind, right? Because they're treating you. On the other hand, they're getting paid by someone who doesn't want to pay you, uh, you know, the LTD. So, so there's that conflict. That's why I, I don't like this. And, and I'm a bit disappointed that this person's family doctor has said to this individual to go to that health practitioner that is getting paid by, uh, you know, the insurance company, this counselor. My recommendation is this. Uh, do not get treatments from a health practitioner, whether it's a psychologist, psychiatrist, doctor, whatever. Do not get that from that person if that person is getting paid directly by the insurance company that's paying you disability payments. Because at some point, that health practitioner is going to have to provide an opinion as to whether or not you're ready to go back to work. And at that point, you know, who does this person have allegiance to? To you as your patient or to the insurance company that's paying them? So the, again, the recommendation is find someone that can treat you that is not getting paid by your insurance company. Again, there are different circumstances, there are different situations. This is just the general advice that I provide people. But of course, you know, you can have a situation, John, where you got somebody who is in a, who lives in a very remote area, and there's literally no one else except this one particular doctor that you can go to for treatments, and that doctor also works for the insurance company. I mean, again, if you don't have any other choices. Well, even from a medical standpoint, it's preferable to just go to the doctor because you want to get better. You want to get the treatments. But to the extent that you have choices, I would recommend not getting treatments from a health practitioner that is getting paid by your insurance company because at some point, if not if not earlier, then you know, certainly later, uh, the question is going to arise to that health practitioner, can you go back to work? And at that point, they got to really choose between you as their patient and mm. the insurance company who's interested in not paying you any more than they have to. Yeah, it's amazing. Some people just automatically default to whatever the insurance company says as far as, uh, you know, health providers. Okay, you say go there. Okay, off mm -hmm. I go. But they really should take a step back and think about that a little more, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it happens a lot. And not just in this context. You know, people, yeah. whenever they're told by their insurance company, you know, jump, they don't ask the insurance company, hey, show me where in the policy it says I have to jump. They simply right. ask how high. 
Right. And, and again, you have to be skeptical of anything your insurance company says. It doesn't mean that at the end of the day they're they're wrong, but I can tell you it's it's quite frequent. It's it happens a lot where the insurance adjuster, for whatever reason, tells you this is what has to happen. This is what you have to do. And when people come to me because you know there is a, a, a red flag that comes up, uh, a light bulb or something, they come to me and I say, well. Ask your adjuster where in the policy it gives them the right to demand this. Where does it say that you have to go to that clinic? Where does it say that you have to declare this kind of income or something? Like whatever, whatever the question your adjuster is asking you or telling you to do, ask them to show you where in the insurance policy. Because remember, your relationship with your insurance company is a contractual one. Whether the insurance is through work or you, you bought that, that policy privately, it's a contract between you and the insurance company. And for the insurance company to say, you got to do something or you got to show me something, whatever they ask of you or demand of you, that request, their ability to, to, to enforce that request must be rooted in the policy, in the contract. And so you, you have a right to ask the adjuster, show me where in the policy it says I have to do this or that. And many, in many instances, by the way, adjusters will then point to a certain provision in the policy, and people will come back to me, John, and they say, well, I've looked at that provision and that section in the policy, and it doesn't say that the insurance company has that right. And I say, well, you see, the adjuster is trying to, you know, pull something over you, you know, over your yeah. eyes. It's, it's, you know, or, or sometimes the adjusters just don't know, you know, like don't assume that the adjusters are, are so, you know, uh, well-versed in, in contract law and insurance law, right? They're just following whatever book they have to follow, whatever procedures and protocols they have to follow. Sometimes they simply don't know. That's just the way they've done things or the way they've been trained. It does not mean that the insurance company is right. And this goes to my original point, which is that if the insurance company denies your claim, or if the insurance company says to you something that doesn't make sense to you, dig, you know, dig deeper. Ask them to explain to you where it is uh, that, that, you know, that they're looking at the policy and, and challenge them. Okay, challenge. Now, listen, if they're telling you we're going to pay you money, you don't have to ask them where in the policy it says that. Just accept the money. <laughs> you know, I mean, presumably they're not going to do that unless it actually, you know, they have to pay you. But right. my point is, as soon as they, they put roadblocks and they make you feel uncomfortable, you have to stand up for yourself and challenge them. And if you are concerned about anything, you give us a call and we will help you. Toll free, by the way, one 821 5900 DisabilityRights.ca is the website. The email to reach out is help at DisabilityRights.ca. Really simple. And we're pulling a lot of these questions from MyDisabilityQuestions.com. You can use that anytime. It's, it's absolutely free. It's right there. Type your questions in. Get them answered. And as I mentioned a couple times, there's a searchable database there with previously asked and answered questions. Go through those. Maybe yours is already there or some one that's very similar to it anyway. If not, just leave it there. And the, uh, the firm, the guys will get to it for sure. More of the Disability Law Show is on the way. We'll get right back to it after a short break. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we are uh, right back at it, Disability Law Show. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging around with us for the uh, pretty much the entire hour. You want to reach out any time, you could do so, one 821 5900 as mentioned, help at disabilityrights.ca. And as we mentioned before, very proudly, the most positively reviewed law firm in Canada for employment law and disability law would be Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. You can Google that anytime for the proof. It is there. 
wouldn't lie about that one. Where, uh, where are you taking this, pal? What's up? Well, so here's another question that uh, came in, and th- this was in December. Um, even though we haven't opened the, you know, we, we our, our office in Alberta hasn't opened yet. Uh, certainly, people were were aware that we were coming. So this one comes from Brad in Edmonton, um, and um, he mentions the name of the insurance company. So I'm not going to mention that, but I'll tell you what the gist is of his question that he posted to mydisabilityquestions.com, and then we'll discuss it. He says that the insurance company has denied uh, my short-term. Um, yeah, my short-term disability benefits because of stress-related issues. I'm now in my second appeal process with them. I've submitted my primary health care doctor's recommendations and opinions, but they have not considered it in their denials. I think he means in the appeals. Right, right. So, so again, this person here is dealing with a short-term disability claim, and he is saying that he is in the second appeal process. I want people to understand that. Okay, let's pause for a second. Here's the way this works. You apply for short-term and or long-term disability, whatever it is you're applying for. The insurance company is going to give you a decision as to whether or not you qualify for those benefits. If you qualify, they're going to pay you. Great. If you don't, if they say you don't qualify, they're going to deny and they're going to say, we are denying your benefits or your claim on the basis of X, Y, and Z, whatever those excuses are. And then at the end of the letter, they're going to say, but wait, you know, you have 30 days you know, it's very cheerful. You have 30 days to appeal that denial. If yep. you want to give us new documentation, new information, whatever it is you want to give us, we'll consider it and we'll give you, uh, you know, all due consideration. Well, what do you think happens, John? I mean, in these situations, insurance companies time and time again make people believe like this is some kind of a fair process. Like these appeals are, are you know, some kind of protocols and procedures that involve some third party. And that's just not the case. You are literally re-asking the exact same company that denied you in the first place to reconsider your decision. And I've given this this example before, John, that you know when my eight-year-old comes to me and says, you know, hey, Dad, can I have candy? And I say no, but you can appeal that. You got 30 minutes to appeal that. Give me new information as to why it is I should give you candy. And he comes to me and says, well, because I've been a really good boy. Can I have you know the candy? No, you can't. <laughs> but you can appeal again if you want in 30 minutes. Right. And that's exactly what they do to people. I know it sounds funny, but this is what they do. And the thing is this. People assume that this is a formal process, that somehow there, there is a playbook for this. And somehow insurance companies really legitimately take a second look at your appeals. And look, there's going to be a lot of adjusters out there, people from the insurance industry who say, Sivan, you're being unfair to us. We have actually in the past uh, reversed our decisions. We, you know, we've, we've allowed these appeals. Yeah, just like there are people out there who can win the lottery once in yep, a while. Sure. I got it. Show me statistics. I've been asking for the insurance industry for years to show statistics as to how many of these appeals are successful. And, and no one is providing these statistics. I, I believe they exist because insurance companies keep statistics on everything, but nobody's providing them because I believe that it's probably a very minuscule uh, amount of appeals that actually work with these disability insurers. And so when this individual here writes that he's now in a second level of of, of appeal, I can tell you he's going to get nowhere. And he says, he says, he submitted more information from his doctor, more, more opinions, more coming. I have people who tell me I have a severe illness. Do I need to go to another specialist to get another opinion, you know, to convince the insurance company? And I tell them, no, what we need to do is start a legal claim right now. 
Because the difference between you appealing one of these decisions, these denials, and me starting a legal claim against the insurance company is that by starting the legal process, I am taking the power away from the insurance company and I'm placing it in the hands of, of the legal system. And what that means is that now the insurance company has to hire a lawyer or get one of their in-house lawyers to whom they have to pay a salary okay, or, or pay an external lawyer's invoices. They hate doing that. By us starting a legal claim against the insurance company, they understand you're not going away. They understand that they're not gonna, you know, they're gonna be bleeding money now in defending this claim, and they're probably gonna have to pay that claim later on down the road anyways. And they understand that if we took on a claim and we were presenting you, we're gonna take it all the way. And if this ends up before a judge, they could potentially get hammered. Yeah. Not only yeah. for the value of the claim, but maybe for punitive damages, which is what judges sometimes award individuals against insurance companies, uh, you know, to punish insurance companies, money above and beyond whatever the insurance company, uh, the insurance policy contemplates. And in addition to that, the insurance company has to pay their lawyers, you know, and maybe even us, right? So my point is this. If you are denied long-term disability or short-term disability, do not engage in this appeal process. Talk to us first. Talk to us first. We can explain to you. If at the end of that discussion you still want to do your appeal, go ahead. At least we'll give you some tips that maybe could help you in advancing your case. But these appeals, again, understand they are not third-party appeals. You're not appealing it to a third neutral party, to an arbitrator or a judge. You're appealing it to the same company that denied you in the first place. And that's why most of these appeals fail. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many people go through it. That word appeal, they just automatically they, they automatically just that word they link it to something that would happen in a courtroom. You know, you get a, a guilty mm. verdict on a you know a life imprisonment. Well, you automatically appeal. So that's what people think they're going to do with their insurance company. It's like, oh, they're they're so nice. They're allowing me to come back and take a second kick at the can, but uh, it's not going to work. <laughs> right? You know, John, you just give me an idea for the next uh, global article that we're going to run, I think, uh, at some point. I'm going to do uh, an article just exactly what you said. What you essentially said is that they're using terminology that misleads. Yeah. And how many times have we talked about the various terms that you see around insurance policies? Total uh, for disability. Example, <laughs> yeah, in long-term disability, you, you have, insurance company denies your claim because you're not totally disabled. Yeah. What does total disability mean? It's an invented term. In my mind, that term is completely misleading. Because when somebody says you are not totally disabled, look, if if you can walk outside, if you can make your food and all that, yeah, you're not totally disabled within the regular meaning of the word total. You don't have a coma. Sorry, you're not in a coma. You don't have, uh, you know, you haven't had all your limbs amputated. You know, you mm -hmm. don't have a brain injury necessarily. But it doesn't mean that you're not suffering from something, whether it's, it's uh, osteoarthritis or fibromyalgia or, or depression or something that disables you from working. Right, but if you suffer from one of these uh, illnesses, you may not be able to to do your job or, or your yeah. occupation or or you know any occupation if you're beyond the two year mark, and so you should be able to qualify. My point is that the terminology that insurance companies use often misleads people and makes them think that they have no case. Total yeah. disability is exactly one of them. Appeals is one of them because you're thinking exactly what you said, which is oh I can appeal, so you know therefore. 
it's going to somebody else. It's going to it's going through some kind of a formal process when that is not the case. So you have to be very very suspicious, uh, not suspicious, but you have to be very critical of what your insurance company is telling you, especially especially when they're telling you that you're not going to get paid when you actually anticipated that you should be getting paid. And again, that's not just with disability policies. It's travel insurance. It's auto insurance. It's house insurance. You have to be critical with the insurance companies. All done. Good stuff for another week. Reaching out now. Simple as we get out of here. Toll free one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. The website to ask some questions. There's also the email option, of course. Help at DisabilityRights.ca and DisabilityRights.ca. The website to catch our television show as well. We'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.